0: Hi, reader. I'm Cindy Burnett. Welcome to my award winning podcast, Thoughts from a Page, which is a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. On the show, I chat with authors whose books I have enjoyed about their new releases, and I give you a peek behind the curtain of the publishing industry with my behind the scenes series. With so many books coming out weekly, it can be hard to decide what to read, so I find the best ones and share them with you. If you're looking for a community of readers, bonus content, and a chance to read books before they hit the shelves, I hope you'll consider joining my Patreon group, which is filled with a wonderful bunch of book lovers. The link to join is in the show notes. Do you love to be in the know about upcoming books? Kelly Hooker of at Kelly Hook reads books and I do too. We couldn't find a comprehensive list of titles all in one place. So we made one ourselves and now we're sharing it with you. Our literary lookbook is a list of 182 books releasing from January to May, 2024, curated for our communities. The link to buy it is in my show notes. today. Celeste Connolly joins me to chat about Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Lord. I enjoy the Regency era, so this one was a fun read. Celeste is an Agatha Award nominee and a former freelance writer and editor. Celeste loves reading and writing about women from the past who don't always do as they were told. I hope you enjoy our conversation. And now, before we get started with the interview, I want to let you know about something new that I am trying this year. This week and next week, I am asking for anyone who is interested to record a blurb about your top read of 2023, or one of your top reads if you have more than one. Want to participate? Make a voice memo recording on your phone. Find a quiet place in your home, like a closet, with no kids or animals around, so that your recording is solid and clear and doesn't have a lot of echo. Please give me your name, where you are from, and the book. Don't forget the title and the author. That is your top or one of your top reads of 2023. Quickly give a summary of the book and then tell me why you chose it as one of your top reads of the year. Please make sure the recording is under three minutes long. I find it helpful myself to make notes and practice a little bit ahead of recording. When you are finished, email the recording to me at Cindy H Burnett at att.net. And that's C-I-N-D-Y, the letter H Burnett, B-U-R-N-E-T-T at att.net with favorite read of 2023 as the subject line. The episode will run in early December, so stay tuned. Welcome, Celeste. How are you today?
1: I'm well and happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so glad you're here. I always love chatting with you, so I'm really looking forward to this.
1: Likewise. So
0: before we dive in, you are now writing under Celeste Connolly. You were writing under S.C. Perkins before. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. Um, My first uh, series, as you said, was written under SC Perkins, which is my first two initials and my last name. And my real name is Stephanie. And generally, whenever people found out that my name is Stephanie, it just became very difficult because there is another author named Stephanie Perkins. And so there was a lot of confusion that happened. And so whenever I switched into historicals, my publisher said, Would you like to go buy a pseudonym? And I said, Yes, please. That would be great. And I chose my middle name, which is Celeste, and um, and a family name, which is Connolly. So uh, it worked out well. And I already respond to the name Celeste. So it just, it's been perfect. And, uh, and everybody's been great about it. So it's worked out well.
0: I'm so glad. And as I told you before we started recording, I may have a hard time switching over from Stephanie to Celeste, but I'm going to give it a really good go.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I understand it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay.
0: It's just more my brain, you know?
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: Well, tell me a little bit about Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Lord.
1: Well, it's set in 1815 England and introduces us to Lady Petra Forsyth. She's uh, 24 years old, the daughter of the Earl of Holbrook, and she has recently and scandalously announced that she will remain unmarried after the death of her fiancé. That was three years earlier. But She has discovered that a presumed dead friend may have been relegated to an asylum run by a dangerous and sham physician, and uh, that her friend was sent there by her husband, no less. And so Lady Petra does the most unladylike and dangerous thing she can, and she begins asking questions.
0: So how did you decide to write Regency-era mysteries? That's a big switch from what you were doing before.
1: It was. uh, My first series is set in modern-day Austin, which was a blast to write in. But I've always loved uh, historical uh, dramas and period dramas and and whatnot. I grew up literally from the day that I was born watching PBS because of my mom's love for it, and so I've grown up just watching all of those things and hearing the British accent and hearing that particular cadence that is the the way that they spoke, and and I just loved it. And then, of course, you know, I love Jane Austen and everything surrounding that kind of thing. And so whenever it was when the pandemic was happening and I was, my comfort was watching a lot of period dramas and, you know, the old ones that I loved, Pride and Prejudice and everything, and and even Bridgerton and whatnot. And one of the things that I kept noticing was how the, the character of the spinster, which is pretty much in that time. And if you're past the age of 23, 24 years old and you're not married, you're considered a spinster. But it's also a word for just an unmarried woman in general. But they were all just, you know, portrayed as being this sad and pitiable woman. And I got to the point where I thought, you know, I'm not real sure that I that I like this. And I wanted to see the spinster character, you know, show the strength that she had to have to live in that period of time and to survive because it was very, very hard for women in general. But for a spinster, it was even worse. So I decided that I wanted to make a character who was unmarried and scandalously so, and to, um, you know, to go out and, and hopefully right some wrongs, especially whenever it comes to the wrongs of the women at the time. And uh, my agents loved it and they shopped it around and Minotaur, who is my publisher from my first series, they loved it as well. And so they picked, picked me back up and, um, and it's just been a wonderful ride. I've loved it.
0: I love that time period, but there are a lot of strict rules. How did you navigate those and also create a feminist protagonist?
1: The funny thing about it is that is in the Regency, in real life, there were already women like this. And whenever you really start reading and researching the Regency era, there were tons of women who were flouting the rules all the time. So in reality, I didn't have to try that hard, but I still wanted to do all of the Regency that we all know and love, the Courtly Manners. The, you know, the dresses, the balls, the, you know, the romance of meeting a man and, you know, and going the back and forth and whatnot. And I wanted all of that. But then I wanted my character to just have a little bit more of a relatable, more modern sensibility. And so that was, that was so much fun to do. But as I said, once I really began researching it, it really wasn't that hard. So what I just did was I just had her try to do things that were that push the envelope just to, just enough but still stay true to the fact that she was a well-bred young lady and I chose to use a a woman who was the daughter of an earl because I wanted her to have access to all the things that are most you know important for a mystery like this to really really work and you know I wanted her to be able to have access to the balls to the to the parties to all of the upper echelons of society And so, you know, so it really came about very, very easily, much more easily than I thought it would. And it was just, it was a blast to write. And every time that I thought that I might be going a little too far, I did write it back in a little bit. But really and truly, I didn't really have to as much as I thought that I would. Oh, that's
0: great. Because you do think of that era as having very rigid conventions and ways that they operated. And so that's interesting that when you really dove into it, you didn't find it that difficult to get outside some of that.
1: Right, right. You know, I, the, the rigidity was fantastic to play off of because, um, you know, whenever she's a woman trying to do, trying to sort of open up her world as a woman to try to reinforce her rights and reinforce her ability to do what she wants in her life and not be dictated to by the men in her life, that rigidity was a great foil. So it worked out perfectly.
0: Oh, good. I'm so glad. Well, what do you hope your readers take away from this book?
1: I, I hope that they do think about what women of the time had to go through, because this actually was real, uh, that at the time, even before this, and even up until I believe the 1920s or early 1930s, a male member of the family could relegate a woman to an insane asylum for no reason whatsoever. I found some instances where there was a man once who just wanted to marry another woman and so he just shoved his wife off to the insane asylum. And so that kind of thing was just so easy it happened all the time and it was an interesting time period. So, yeah, I just want readers to take away the fact that that women in that time that they really did have to walk a fine line, they did have to walk a, a tight rope. And for women of today to get here you know to where we are we have a lot of those women to thank and we have all of them to thank and everything cuz any of these women who survived and just got to to the place where we are now and everything it's because of those women in the past who were pushing the envelope so you know that's just what i hope that they take away from it is, is that there is even though you might watch a period drama and not see too much spunk in a woman that there really was a whole lot of spunky women out there at that time. And and um they had a lot more desire to break free from their shackles of of being under the thumb of the patriarchy than you would think. And so it was really fascinating to research and and I hope it comes through in the book.
0: Most definitely does. So this is a start to a series. Was there something that you had to make sure you kept in mind as you were writing this series? Were there things that you worried? I don't want to limit Petra in the future. I don't want to go in a direction that later I would be like, "Why did I choose this?"
1: I did, of course. I you know I thought about everything two and three times over again and more because uh, I wanted to be able to have you know hopefully I, I, more than two books, but uh, you know we'll see how that goes. And it's uh, you know, it all depends on how readers r- respond to her and, but, uh, fingers crossed. But I really, I really want her to grow and I really want her world to expand and whatnot. And so, you know, I did, I did have to think about it quite a bit to make sure that I didn't, I didn't put her in any pigeonholes and, there is you know one way that i might have but i think that uh, by the time you read the end of it that you'll see that i didn't and so that was that was definitely fun to look at too and you know whenever you write a series you have to write a little bit of it based on hope you know hope that you'll get more books and be able to expand their world and so that's a fun thing to do but then also write something that is 100% satisfying to you as the author and hopefully as to the readers if it is the only book or only two books, I know for sure that I will have two books. And so there will be more Lady Petra coming. But uh, but still, that is, that's is—that's how I see it.
0: It's difficult because yes, you're starting out with a series. So you want to have some themes that will carry through numerous books. But as you said, if for some reason, you only end up having two of them, which I'm sure you won't, then you don't want all these things to be left hanging, or you don't want to rush the ending of the second book being throwing in all these things to just try to wrap everything up.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's very important to me. So I try to write something that's very satisfying regardless, but I don't try to wrap up too many things, even if I don't know. So with my first series, I didn't know by the by the third book of what was quite going to happen. But so I wrote something that I think was a, a, a very good ending, but that kept it uh, open to much more. So we'll see.
0: And I always wonder about characteristics. Like I know other authors have said sometimes they will give their protagonists some characteristic that at the time seemed so logical and great. And then later on, they're like, why in the world did I say she'd never wear blue jeans or whatever it was? Right. <laughs> and so it's really hard to kind of think through some of those things when you're just beginning. And I'm sure there will be things later that you're like, why did I say that she did this or wore that or whatever? But it's just kind of interesting to think about it on the front end.
1: No, I completely agree. And, uh, and those are something even though I'm a pancer I don't know if that's going to be a question that you're going to ask later but I am I am definitely a full scale pancer and so I don't really map out a whole lot I kind of know of just a vague idea of what it, where I want to go and so but that that aspect of it is something that I do think about is whenever I write a particular character trait is do I want to have that continue so that's one of the few things that I think about a lot makes sense
0: and in line with being a pantser, what surprised you the most as you were writing this one?
1: You know, certain characters really and it surprised me about where they they might have ended up. And so that that's the thing, you know, about being a pantser is, and and also, well, just for any writer, you always hear sometimes the characters take over and they really, really do. And I, there's a character of a street urchin named Teddy, who is one of my favorite characters to write and he just charmed his way into the book and just practically arrived fully fledged in my mind and just completely took over. And so I would love to have more of him in a book. But yeah, it's as far as really surprising me, I think because of the way that I do things, it all surprises me a little bit, but in the most amazing way. I I find it such a magical experience to to let the book sort of unfold as it's going to and, you know, shape it up and whatnot.
0: I think every writer has their process and whatever works for them is spectacular. But personally I'm not a writer anyway, but I couldn't even imagine just sitting down and starting to pound something out. I just find that so amazing that you can do that.
1: I I actually do try to plot every now and again and because I do believe that you are always learning as a person and as a writer, and you always want to try something different every time just to see if it might work better or whatnot. And so, I did try a few plotting techniques. Yeah, it, they just they didn't really do anything for me. You know, so
0: <laughs> you're like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, one of them where you know you write things out on on sticky notes and then put all your plot points out on sticky notes, and so I spent like three hours doing that and. Um, you know, and it was great to kind of remind me of where I was going. So it had its use, but I never looked at it again. It sat there on my on my uh, my uh, coffee table and um, sat there for the throughout the rest of the book, and then I, I never looked at it again. So you like? I'm done with that. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the thing that I love the most about plotters and pantsers is that no one way is better. They're both equally successful. And so yeah, but I, I do I do try to different things every once in a while because I think it's good for you. but in the end, my pantser brain just takes over.
0: <laughs> well, and I completely agree with you. I think whatever works is what you should do. It's just fascinating to listen to all the different ways that people can write. And some I can just relate to better than others. obviously just the way we're all different. I can't even imagine just sitting down and starting to write. I find that just so creative.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I do too. <laughs> to be very honest with you, I do too. It it just is, is the coolest thing every time I do it. And so, yeah, but I bet you do hear every different way that a writer can write with what you do. But so, yeah, I find it fascinating. I love listening to other people's stories.
0: I do too. I find it really very, very interesting. And now for a quick break to take a moment and thank today's sponsor, Air Doctor. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take approximately 20,000 breaths a day. According to the EPA, indoor air is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, even up to 100 times more polluted. I struggle with allergies myself that poor air quality exacerbates, and so using my air purifier from Air Doctor really helps me manage my allergies. So what's the solution to poor air quality? Air Doctor has introduced an air purifier that has captured the attention of established media outlets such as CNN, money, and more. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold, and even bacteria and viruses, so your lungs don't have to. All Air Doctor purifiers also feature Whisperjet fans, 30% quieter than ordinary air purifiers. Want to breathe better? Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code Page. and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O dot and use promo code thoughts from a page. Air Doctor also comes with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And now back to the rest of the show. How did this one differ from writing your last series? Obviously, the time frames are different. The settings are different. Did you find that it was a completely different process or did you find that there was a lot in common? How was that?
1: Uh, Well, I decided to write this one in third person, which my first book was in first person. And I really, really love first person. And so I did initially try it briefly. And then I went uh, into third and it just felt more comfortable. And I felt like that almost like I was Telling Lady Petra's stories, so that was that was a huge departure for me because I had never written in third person before, and so I had to remember to do things a certain way and put you know all of my verbs in you know the past tense and everything and and things like that. Just there's all these little things that you have to do, but otherwise, I found it to be refreshingly similar in the fact that. Both of my main characters in, in my books, my first character was a genealogist, and then I have Lady Petra. They both really have just a desire to to help and to right wrongs. And, um, and I think that's pretty much true of any amateur sleuth and whatnot. That's pretty much why they get into it and everything. But I love that aspect about it. And so you know, act like a lady, think like a Lord, I really had to work within the bounds of what is a society's rules and whatnot. And especially when it comes to like the way that they dressed and when they ate and when they they did things and whatnot, and what was the proper time to do things and, you know, how they were supposed to behave in general. And so with a modern book, of course, it's so much freer because, you know, your main character can do all but whatever she wants but at the same time at the heart of it i found that the, that they were very very similar in what they uh what drove them and so i so i liked it it was great but it but it was very different at the same time you do have to sort of switch your mind into the regency world and uh i had to sort of let myself sort of sink into it and everything and which is fun but i do find myself forgetting to use contractions after I've been writing in the Regency for a while and and certain things like that. And, and, you know, wanting to curtsy to people, you know, so it does have its drawbacks.
0: Everybody's like, Celeste is so much more formal than she used
1: to be. Right. Well, you know, it actually came about very um, naturally to me because the very first book that I wrote, well, the very first, it was the very first uh, incarnation of Murder Once Removed, the first book I got published. I sent it to an author, I mean, an editor to edit for me. This was one that I paid and whatnot because I did not have a contract or an an agent at the time. And one of the things she wrote me back is she goes, It's okay for your character to use contractions. And she goes, You speak very (laughs) formally. And then I went, You know, and right then and there, that was, you know, back in 2013 or 2011 or something like that. It was a long time ago. At that point, that's when I kind of knew that I would be able to write a historical novel to some sense, because I had that sort of formal speak in my mind. And I think it's from, honestly, from all the period dramas that I watched growing up.
0: That's really cute. Mm -hmm. Well, how did you come up with the title for this one?
1: That was a collaboration between my agents and me. And uh, we went through probably a hundred different titles And, you know, just trying to find the right one and the right, uh, you know, we wanted something that was punchy, that kind of that kind of screamed that there was a a, that the main character was going to have a little bit more moxie than you would expect, that this was not, you know, just some gentlewoman character who was going to glide through life and everything that she was going to um, she was going to surprise you. And so we went through a lot of things. And then my agent came up with act like a lady, think like a Duke. And, and I thought, you know, of course there is a Duke in there and everything, but that wasn't really the thing. It was really there. She's really going up against a lot of Lords as well as just men in general. And so, and then of course, you know, with the sort of the act like a lady and then think like a Lord, the two L's there just worked out and it just sang from the moment, that I wrote it on the page, and, uh, and everybody's went bonkers over it, and that's how it came about. So, but it is—it's weird because you know I've I've usually come up with most of my titles on my own and everything. So this was the first time that just went back and forth and back and forth a million times and everything. But I'm so glad that we did because it worked out really well.
0: That's right, because you used to have a list of titles, so you had a list of titles, and then you would look at what you were going to be writing and figure out how one of those titles would work with what you were writing. Isn't that correct?
1: Yes, pretty much. Yeah, and so you know, with my other series which had genealogy of themes, I had this, just this list of genealogy titles going, and and uh, and now I do have a list going of titles because we've come up with some really really good ones, and so I hope that I'll be able to use some more of them, which would be so much fun. But uh, but yeah, but this first one I just am so in love with the title, and when I even whenever I say it, you know, people are like, oh, I love that," and that just is the greatest feeling
0: and the cover and I know I got to participate a little bit when you were getting different covers and looking at which one was going to work and so I remember looking through them and I just think they were all beautiful and this one is stunning.
1: Oh yes, I I just loved it. Um they the two that I really got narrowed down to, they were I just loved them both. This one we thought just really the with the stately home down at the bottom just really gave off a little bit more of what we were trying to go for. But I would have been happy with either one of them. But this one is just, uh, I look at it and I just absolutely love it every single time. It's stunning. Thanks.
0: Well, before we wrap up, Celeste, tell me what you have read recently that you really liked.
1: Oh, gosh, I did a lot of reading this summer and I loved so many things. So what I'm reading right now is A Trader in Whitehall by Julia Kelly. And, uh, it's a World War II set and, um, spy themed. And I really love that kind of thing. And, um, so, and it's fantastic. And then a romance that series that I love and is actually about to come to an end. Uh, two of them actually. Um, one of them is the Evie Dunmore League of, of, uh, Extraordinary Woman series. And, um, so the gentleman's gambit is the fourth one and about to come out, but I read the third one. And then uh, Martha Waters' To Swoon and To Spar, which is the next to last book in, in her series. And those are just fantastic. That those That's Regency Romance. And then Evie Dunmore's Victorian Romance. And a modern one that I read that I just adored um, is sort of a little Agatha Christie-esque. It's um it's called Death in Croissants by Ian Moore. And it's with a, a grumpy hotelier set He's British, but he runs a hotel in the Loire Valley in France, and it's just a delightful series, and I can't wait for the next book to uh, – they're out in England, but they're not here, and and so that one was a lot of fun. Yeah, and then one other one that I read that I really loved was The Three Lives of Alique St. Pierre by Natasha Lester. I just loved that one, and it was fantastic on audiobook.
0: I have not read her before, but people always recommend her.
1: Mm-hmm. that was my first one of hers.
0: I loved the Julia Kelly. I I have always liked her books. I loved when she was writing historical fiction. And I'm glad that she's now moved into the historical mystery phase. And I thought A Traitor in Whitehall was outstanding.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm just loving it. I've, I've been a little bit backed up. So I haven't gotten almost to the middle of it. And I just absolutely love it. So and like you, I've loved her um, hist- or World War II historical fiction. So she's a great writer, and yeah, so it's it's been it's been a wonderful read. I've looked, been been looking forward to it, and it's lived up to it completely.
0: And I saw that the Evie Dunmore was wrapping up. I read the first one, but I don't really read a lot of just straight romance, so I didn't read any more of them. And then the, I haven't read the Martha Waters, but I didn't realize that it was coming to an end soon as well.
1: Yeah, um yeah, they're great. They're fun, 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 witty, witty, banter-filled romances and um and so yeah, th- this is the swoon, to swoon into spar is the next to last and then the final one comes out next year. And uh and they're just so much fun. So much fun. And um so yeah, and Evie Dun- Dunmore's are they're very very feminist and a lot of fun. They're fantastic on audiobook as well and uh so yeah. So if anybody out there likes romance, it's those are especially historical romances are fantastic ones. She does a really great job.
0: Tons of people seem to love romance and historical romance. And those series both seem very popular. So I'm sure people will love those recommendations.
1: I love recommending various genres if I can and everything. And I especially love recommending uh, good audiobooks as well because uh, they're really Uh, just so fun to listen to and everything. And so Natasha Lester's are fantastic and Evie Dunmore's are fantastic on audiobook.
0: And I think more and more people are listening to audio. So those recommendations are very helpful.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They're great. Wonderful for cleaning the house. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I always love chatting with you and I'm glad you're back. And I can't wait for everybody to read, Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Lord.
1: Thank you so much, Cindy. This was wonderful. It was so great talking with you again.
0: Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I would love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook, where you can find me at Thoughts From a Page. If you enjoy the show, please consider joining my Patreon group to access bonus content and support the podcast. If you have a moment to rate the show or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts, I would really appreciate it. It makes a big difference. And please tell all of your friends about Thoughts From a Page. Word of mouth does wonders to help the show grow. The book discussed in this episode can be purchased at my bookshop storefront, and the link is in the show notes. I hope you'll tune in next time. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo.